Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there and welcome to another Arse Blog Arsecast right here on arseblog.com, the number one Arsenal podcast made by a bloke in Ireland on a Thursday night released on a Friday on a website called Arse Blog. And that is true. You can look it up on iTunes and everything. Uh, I hope you're well. I had a very strange experience this morning when a letter came through the door and it was um, it was a quite a big letter and it had... It was quite thick, the envelope, and it had my name on it, and it was handwritten. Looked like it was handwritten by somebody, maybe somebody quite young, I thought. And I was looking at it, going, who the hell would be sending me these kind of letters? So I got in the car, and I was going along, and I was uh, just stuck at traffic lights in traffic. So I said, I'll open up the letter. And it's from foot and mouth artists. Seriously. Now, not artists with foot and mouth disease but artists who paint with their feet or their mouth, and or both. And I was looking at it a little bit, very strange. How did they get my address, my home address, to send me this letter? And inside the letter it said, Hello, we are artists, uh, foot and mouth artists, and these are the Christmas cards that we have produced. And inside the envelope is about six or seven Christmas cards and envelopes, and it says, look at the fine art we do. This is John, who is in a car crash, and he's paralyzed from the neck down, and he can only paint with his mouth, and this is Mary, and she's got a a sort of a muscular disease, and she's painted these beautiful landscapes with only her feet, and if you would like to buy our Christmas cards... Please fill out this form and give us your bank details and, you know, you can keep them or you can buy them off us. And I'm thinking they've kind of got this wrong a bit in the sense that, you know, it's no good sending stuff to people for free and then expecting them to pay for it. Even if there is a touch of the old guilt because they have some pictures of them in there, you know, painting with their, you know, know, painting like that which is a remarkable achievement, and all credit to them. But I've got a stack of Christmas cards here from about three years ago, and now I don't know what to do with these Christmas cards. I was going to put them in the bin, because I was a little bit cheesed off with the whole spamming thing anyway, just sending me mail out of the blue that I didn't ask for. But then I thought, you know, they've gone to so much work doing these Christmas cards. And it's November, and I don't like to be reminded of Christmas, so I know I'm not quite sure what to do with them. I'm thinking of sending them back their own Christmas cards 
as Christmas cards because it has a list of the artists and I could just send them back their cards. Dear John, thank you very much for your generous cards. Dear Mary, all the very best of the season to you and yours and uh, a happy new year. Would that be wrong? Should I talk about Arsenal now? I probably should, shouldn't I? Coming up on this week's show, uh, Yogi's Warrior from A Cultured Left Foot to talk about all the bits and pieces. Internet Joe will be along. We've got Talkshite Radio, some vintage news, and not only that, a competition. And not just one cup. Well, it is one competition, but I've got prizes. I've got five prizes of Arsenal books to give away. Uh, so stay tuned and you'll find out more on that between now and the end of the show. So last weekend, not particularly good. Um, Newcastle on Sunday wasn't great. And I have to admit, I got up on Sunday morning kind of hoping that Arsenal would lift my spirits a bit because I'd sort of been out all day on Friday and there was a certain amount of alcohol involved. And then Saturday evening... and. I was out then, and there was a certain amount of alcohol involved until quite early on Sunday morning. And so I got up and, you know, eat the bacon and drink the coffee and take the painkillers. But you need something to give you the lift, the glow, you know, that would take the edge off the hangover. But that wasn't it. It was as poor a performance from Arsenal as um, I can remember. That's not really saying much, in fairness. My memory is poor at the best of times. But we were undone then by... Lukas Fabianski's mistake, which gave Andy Carroll a goal. Uh, and that was Newcastle's only shot on target. And it's a familiar story, that one. Opposition team scores with their only shot on target. Arsenal, whenever we get a shot on target, keeper makes a great save, like uh, Cruel did from Nasri, or uh, hit the bar or whatever. So it wasn't particularly good. And we needed a reaction on Wednesday night against Wolves. And we got a reaction. I suppose there was a defensive performance. Lukas Fabianski, man of the match. I know Shamak got two goals, but Fabianski was absolutely fantastic. He's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Fabianski. I don't know what's going on with him. Well, he's capable of stuff like that, and then you get the, the errors. And it was, uh, it was a good game. Wolves are a much better team than the table suggests. Um... They played some decent football. We didn't necessarily play some decent football. We had some chances, uh, but didn't take those chances. Andre Arshavin uh, hit the post, and he had a great chance uh, not long after we scored in the first half to make it 2-0, which would have made it a very different game, I think. Uh, but there was also the the Sesk thing and the Carl Henry thing, and without wanting to go into it in too much detail, Sesk is, you know, our captain. He's an Arsenal player and a bit of a legend. And Carl Henry plays for Wolves and is therefore a humongous cunt, right? So I've been looking around some of the Arsenal sites and I was astounded by how many of them were saying about Sesk's tackle that it was, it was a horrible tackle and it was a scissors tackle and all this. I thought he was going for the ball. I didn't think he was ever really going to get it. But, you know, he, he could have easily just slid off the pitch as well. Didn't think there was any malice in it whatsoever. And then we had the whole match of the day thing when they showed Sesk's thing and talked about it time and time again. And I didn't really buy Mick McCarthy's, oh, look, he's going to apologize. He's a great lad and Arsene Wenger is great, you know. Let's just get on with football and not worry about tackling. And everybody stop talking about tackling and it'll be better because he had no platform 
to talk otherwise. He couldn't really go to town on Sesk's tackle, knowing that Miliash and Henry had put in tackles just as bad, if not worse. Well, certainly Henry's on Arshavin was much worse. And then saying, oh, come on, let's, let's not worry about all this tackling and broken legs and serious injuries. Let's just get on with it. And if I break someone's leg, I'll buy them a pint afterwards. That is McCarthy trying to make life easier for himself because he knows he's got a player like Carl Henry who likes to go out and kick people up in the air. Nevertheless, it's all a big brouhaha, a side issue, if you will, because at the end of the day, we got three points. And that was the most important thing. Two goals from Marohan Shamak, who appeared to be wearing a pair of boxer shorts around his neck. I'm not quite sure why. Why couldn't he just wear one of the, you know, the kind of little polo necky things that they wear underneath? Does he really feel the cold that much? That he has to wear underpants around his neck? I'm not sure. Then again, they could be lucky underpants, couldn't they? Because he scored two goals. And the stat from our good friends at Opta tells us that no player has scored a goal as far apart, two goals so far apart in any Premier League game after 37 seconds and in the 90, 70, 30 minute, whatever it was. But a good win. But we've got to keep it going, obviously, and, you know, make sure we don't fall into the same pattern of playing all right for a couple of games and then not turning up and losing a game and having to start off. We need to make sure we keep things going. Momentum, all important. And uh, I think we really need to get some going at this stage. Anyway, uh, for a little bit more on whatever happened this week, here's Internet Joe. I'm Internet Joe, and here's me 30-second roundup. I said that what? Newcastle at home. Should be easy, this. Safe from Nasri. Says kids the bar. The goal is coming. Fabianski comes. Makes the catch easily. And Oh, no, he doesn't. He's shy. Sell him. Kill him. I don't care what you do with him. Wolves away. Got to win this. Shamak, get in there, you scurvy bastard. Arshav miss. Sesk miss. Henry, you fucking slugging shitbag cunt bracket. Oh, they're going to score. Fabianski. Internet Joe returns on next week's Arscast. Still to come, we've got uh, Talkshite Radio. We've got the competition for the books. That's coming up a bit later on. We'll be looking ahead to the Everton game. Some team news on that. We've got some vintage news. Uh, loads. Loads. It's all action-packed this weekend. And to talk a little bit more about all the bits and pieces that have been going on since the last Arscast, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show Yogi's Warrior from A Cultured Left Foot. Hello there. Hello, mate. Uh, we'll start with Newcastle, if we will. And it was a disappointing result and not only a disappointing result but a disappointing performance um is it a worry that this uh, is happening at home it's happened twice it's a second time that we haven't really shown up at uh, the west brom game we sort of kicked into life very late but uh, against newcastle we never really got going yeah there's a lot of it about though it's not just arsenal uh, chelsea and united have struggled at home recently although they're grinding out results and that's the fundamental difference. I mean, you, if you look at United's win over Wolves, their performance was no better than ours against Newcastle. The difference was they got the three points and we didn't. Mm. Um, we tend to struggle for a spell around this time of year, and it's hard to work out why it happens every single time. Uh, some Wenger's got to sort out. Do you reckon it could be something physical, the way the team is training? Because, you know, I, I've read, I'm sure, before that the team is is built in a way to sort of peak in the second half of the season when maybe the other teams are fatiguing. Is that maybe a side, a side effect of that? 
could possibly be. Um, there's a lot of football being played at the moment, and when you start to get injuries and suspensions, a lot of players play two games a week. Now, years ago, they used to do that without really moaning about it, but the game's a lot faster now than it was then, and perhaps it takes more out of the players than we actually give them credit for, if you want. It would be interesting if someone could find out exactly why this happens every November, and you know we can't just put it down to the month being cursed. Um, but let's uh, let's talk about Lukas Fabianski because um, as badly as Arsenal played against Newcastle, Newcastle probably wouldn't have won the game had he not made that mistake for the for the Carroll goal. Um, he's come into that Newcastle game on the back of you know six or seven you know good performances some of them fairly nondescript but that's what you want considering what what happened before and then he goes to to wolves and puts in a performance like uh like he did absolutely fantastic some really top class saves in that how do we marry the two lukas fabianskis at the moment because he's still struggling to find the the basic consistency that he needs he's shown that he's capable but also that he's also uh, capable of, of making mistakes which can prove costly. Yeah, before the season started, everyone would have been holding their heads in their hands if he'd have said, come October, November time, he was going to be first choice. <laughs> and I think he deserves credit for turning everything around in terms of how people perceive him. Against Newcastle, he made a mistake, but I think it was compounded by mistakes of others. You know, um, Shamak didn't follow Carroll back Koscielny sort of stood there and it looked as if there was a bit of hesitancy that transmitted itself to him. He came, he stopped, he then decided to punch when he should have perhaps gone backwards. But credit, again, you know, he turned up at Wolves and pulled off some outstanding saves and really kept the scoreline at 1-0 for huge swathes of the second half. And then towards the end... His distribution was quick when everyone would have probably said to him, look, just grab hold of the ball and keep it, keep the score at 1-0 and just take the win. He released it quickly and off Shamak went and got his second. A very inconsistent um, couple of days for him, but overall he's done really well. Um, Whether he's done enough to convince anyone he's a long-term solution is another matter. I said the other day on... Twitter that he's only as good as his next mistake and he'll get crucified for it which happened after Newcastle it'll be a long time before he actually shakes off that tag um, whether he gets the chance to or not with Suchesny supposedly being the saviour um, remains to be seen hmm. I mean it is it is one of those things. I mean, if he puts in a half a season of consistent performances, you know, without a mistake, then I think people will will have a, a bit more faith in him. But it is it's nice to see uh, nice to see him turn it around in a way because obviously, like you say, this time six months ago, the idea of him being in goal was was ridiculous. Um, you spoke about Chesney there, and he signed a new five year deal after some. I suppose negotiations and a little bit of worry on our part that you know he was getting to the end of his contract. I mean, obviously we, we've got a player of of real potential. I don't know how much you've seen of him. I've only seen little bits of him, uh, but he does look like uh, he could be not the answer because you know we know we know what the questions are. But uh, he does look like he's got the potential to be a little bit special, and not the window licking kind of special. <laughs> he's he's definitely the best young goalkeeper at the club. Um, Manoni came in and did reasonably well last season for a short spell. 
Uh, he's gone off on loan, I think, now. So it's definitely the, his time to push on into the Carling Cup team and, if necessary, one or two games in the first team. It creates, a, I suppose, a pleasant change, really, to have goalkeepers that you can perhaps have a little bit of faith in, although total faith is some way off, I think. But if he's the future, we're not looking too bad. Where does this leave Manuel Almunia now? Because he's out with the injury and, you know, how much is of an injury still it is. injured? Well, that's that's the word. But, you know, um, whether he's injured or resting or out of the firing line, it does look as if uh, with the emergence of Fabianski or the, the, the way that he's turned things around, the, uh, the, the sign of faith, and maybe it's me, but I get the feeling that, that Chesney wouldn't have signed a five-year deal unless he had some assurances, not of first-team football, but that his path to first-team football uh, was being slightly more paved with gold. And that means what for Manuel Almunia? I think if Fabianski carries on performing well till Christmas, there is a chance that come January, Almunia will be gone. It's a little bit harsh on him because he hadn't done too badly um, until the West Brom game. Mm. He'd been reasonably safe hands. I mean, he had a horrible summer in terms of job security because everyone was saying, oh, he's going to sign Schwarzer and then Rainer's stories and mm. probably somebody else came into the mix as well. But whether he'd want to stay and be second choice or third choice is another matter. I think having been first choice at Arsenal and still probably having a good five or six years left in his career, he would probably want to go mm. and be first choice somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, it's it's strange in a way because he's not the most error-prone when we talk about Amuni and Fabianski. Fabianski went through that spell where he was just ridiculously bad and, and Almunia. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Has been more skittish than than sort of error prone like that, but um, it does it does look a bit dodgy for him. Let's look at Wolves in terms of the performance. Uh, the three points were absolutely crucial, and and uh, you got to give some strength or, or credit to the team for their mental strength going into that. Um, there are some who would look at the performance and say, "Well, look, Wolves played very well, 
we coped with it well. We defended well. Our keeper had a good game. And, you know, sometimes you've, you've got to win games like that. There are others who might say, well, this was Wolves who are second from bottom. And, you know, they kind of gave us a bit of a pasting in the second half. Well, what's your take on it? Well, Wolves have had some bad results, but put in good performances against Chelsea and United. They beat Man City. Hmm. So they weren't going to be pushovers at home. That said, we could have been out of sight before 20 minutes had passed and it would have been an entirely different game. But they came back. The team weathered the storm. They had some rocky moments for the spell in the second half. But really, Wolves didn't have that many clear-cut opportunities until the final 20 minutes or so. At this point in the season, I'll take three points. I'm not going to worry about the performance overly because who knows, on Sunday we might have an entirely different performance and put in a 6-1 win at Everton. <laughs> that would be nice. And and that's the thing. We we spoke about consistency with Fabianski, but it's something the team is struggling with as well this season, isn't it? That it hasn't really managed to get itself motoring and build up the sort of momentum that, that puts you on long, unbeaten runs. No, um, it's hard for them at the moment because you know, you've got injuries and players coming back. It's the same old excuses before. You'd think they'd be used to this sort of circumstances, but having lost two games on the bounce, they're not really going to be that bothered about how consistent their performance was on Wednesday night. I think they'll look at it and go, right, we've got a win. We didn't play well. There were mistakes made. Let's try and eradicate them. And then we'll go on from there. The small performances actually are the building blocks of a long run. So perhaps mm. Wolves was the turning point. What uh, do you make of the form of Cesc Fabregas at the moment? Because a lot of people are speaking about him. He, he <clears throat> excuse me, he set the standards, um, and his standards are exceptionally high. Is it that he's playing badly just by his standards, or is he struggling a little bit, uh, again, trying to find some consistency and rhythm having been out injured for so long? You don't read anything more into it than just a, a player who's a little bit off form and, and uh, carrying a few knocks. Yeah, I think he's still carrying a hamstring. Definitely against Newcastle, he was very static in his performance. Hmm. He set his own standards. He's got to live up to them. I don't think there's anything in Barcelona rumours for January or next summer, mainly because they can't afford him. Fair I enough. don't think that's affecting him either. No, I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, should there be a little bit more leeway? I know people are, are critical and perhaps overly critical online at times, but uh, should he be granted a, a little bit more leeway? Or do we need the captain to step up a bit? I mean, he's performed consistently, excellently for uh, for years, for season after season. And it's natural that every player has a little dip every now and again, isn't it? Yeah, he had a long summer. Yeah, he had extra rest when he came back and didn't start the season. Then he got knocked. Um, and to be honest, I'm not worried about uh, Fabregas's form because he's such a good player. It will come through in the end. I just wonder if, in fact, we're trying to nitpick almost as preparation ready for a summer of willy-won't-he-go <laughs> stories. We're readying ourselves for him to go. Hmm. Well, that's something we could probably come back to. We'll come back to maybe a little closer to next summer because thinking about it now uh, would m- make your head hurt. Everton away on Sunday, <laughs> and you, you mentioned the 6-1 last year, and it was, uh, it was one of the performances of the season on the opening day. Um, Everton traditionally start season slowly. They did it last season. They did it uh, this season as well, but seem to have found their feet a little bit. It's going to be a tough job. I'm glad we're playing them now rather than immediately after they Merseyside derby. 
They didn't have a good result in the middle of the week. Um, we may not be playing well, but I'm confident we'll go up there and get a win. All right, OK. Well, we better leave it there. Uh, Yogi's Warrior from A Culture Left Foot, thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you very much indeed to Yogi's Warrior from A Cultured Left Foot, the blog you can find at aculturedleftfoot.wordpress.com. He's also on Twitter. It is twitter.com forward slash yogis underscore warrior. I think that's right, unless I've made a little bit of a boo-boo. Hmm. Talk Shite Radio. And there are considerable delays on the North Circular Road this evening as Paul Gascoigne is holding up traffic. Police reports say he believes he's Tarzan, although Tarzan never did to his monkey what Gascoigne is doing to his in front of shocked onlookers. We'll have more traffic in an hour. Thank you very much, sexy Australian traffic girl. This is Talk Shite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. Lots on the show. We'll take some of your calls very shortly. We were due to have sex pest mentalist in studio, but he's got a lunch date with uh, screeching Welsh megatard and Rio Ferdinand. Uh, they met on Twitter, and they're probably sitting around a fancy restaurant now, having all the Twitter fun, making Twitter jokes at each other, like, you're rubbish, and your hair is crap, and you like to smack women in the face and watch men getting sucked off in cars. Lol. Uh, so, what we'll do instead is take a few of your calls, and what I'd like to hear from you about is the Arsenal-Wolves game the other night, the despicable actions of Cesc Fabregas. Now, I was at the game, many of you won't have noticed this from TV coverage, but when they were shaking hands before the game, Fabregas was going in hard, fast and reckless. He endangered the fingers of nearly every single Wolves player, and he took that onto the pitch, and we saw what happened, the despicable and horrific outcome when the Wolves player had to be taken off with a slightly sore leg. We've got Daryl from Slough on the line. Hello, Daryl. Uh, yeah, well, I'm just calling about the Arsenal Wolves game last night, and I was watching it, and I could not believe my eyes. This Fabregas has gone out to try and break that player's legs. It was an absolute disgrace of a challenge. And, of course, it's slightly ironic, given the fact it's an Arsenal player that carried it out. Well, precisely. And Arsene Wenger talking all the time about how tackling should be outlawed and how nobody should be able to come within three feet of his players without getting a yellow card. And if they look funny at one of his players, they should get sent off. It's an hypocritical thing, isn't it, for him to turn around afterwards and not say that Seth Fabregas hasn't done what he's done in the first place when he did it and everyone's seen that he's done it. Well, the situation is, of course, that he's got a yellow card. The referee or the officials or the FA can't do any more. But what would you like to see happen? Well, if it was up to me, I'd throw the book at him, you know. You look at what Joey Barton's done... And that's just old-fashioned Queensbury rules, isn't it? Nothing wrong with that. You can go around punching Norwegians. It's in the Constitution. For me, it'd be a 12-game ban. Daryl, thank you very much for your call. I agree with you 100%, except for the fact I disagree with you totally. I'd make it a 24-game ban. Maybe that means I agree with you 200%. We've got another caller. It's uh, Joe. Hello, Joe? Joe? Hello? We're having a few problems getting through to Joe there. We'll give him one more. Joe, are you there? Right, well, we go to the other line, and it's... Welcome! Mi- <laughs> Welcome! 
Oh, very funny. Talk shite radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. We're going to take a short break, then we're right back with the final part of our touching, poignant documentary, Malcolm Christie, A Life That Wasn't. Talk shite radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. More from Talk Shite Radio on an Arscast in the very near future. We spoke about Wojciech Chesney and uh, his new deal is very good news. I had these terrible visions, I have to say, of him leaving on a free in the summer. Van der Sar retiring from Manchester United. Chesney going to Manchester United and, and turning out to be awesome. Because his potential has a great reputation at the moment. More than him, if you know what I mean. Because everyone can see he's... He's got something about him. Uh, But clearly, he sees a way closer to the first team than he did before. And what that means for Manuel Almunia, I think we all know. Uh, But Chesney is on Twitter at the moment. He is. He's on the old Twitter. Uh, Along with a number of the younger Arsenal players. Uh, Jack Wilshere's on there. Henry Lansbury, too. It's quite interesting to follow them. I mean, they're not going to win any awards for their English. I know Chesney's... Polish and stuff, but, you know, the other two, yeah. But they're not famous for their English, are they? They're not wordsmiths, they're footsmiths of football and stuff. Uh, So you can follow them on Twitter, I'm sure you can find your way to do that. Uh, And it was interesting to note that Chesney was talking about being very happy for a few days. So a number of people were speculating a deal might well have been in the offing. Now a competition. If you like reading and if you like Arsenal, then Arsenal books are the thing for you. And I've got three of them to give away with thanks to gcrbooks.co.uk. The three books are Cliff Baston Remembers, Herbert Chapman on Football, and Billy Gooner's First Match, which I think is one aimed at the kids. All right. They're published by GCR Books, who you might remember republished the Arsenal Stadium mystery a couple of years back. So there's five books to give away in total. So five different people are going to win a prize, and you can choose from one of those three books. Cliff Baston remembers Herbert Chapman on football or Billy Gunner's first match. To enter, it's very, very simple. All you have to do is go to the publisher's website. It's gcrbooks.co.uk. I want you to tell me, is the background picture on the website, is it in black and white? Or is it in color? Simple. So go to gcrbooks.co.uk. Tell me if the background picture is in black and white or color. Send your answer, please, to competition at arsblog.com. That's competition at arsblog.com. Tell me which book from those three you would like. And if your name comes up and the random number generator does its thing, then you will be the winner of one of those books. So uh, get cracking. Go to gcrbooks.co.uk and send your entries to competition at rsblog.com and I will announce the winners on next week's show. Arsenal Football Club today announced the signing of Wolverhampton Wanderers midfielder Carl Henry. Arsenal Football Club then announced the immediate execution of former Wolverhampton Wanderers midfielder Carl Henry. Chairman Peter Hillwood said, We are doing the game a service by having him put down like the mangy dog he is. Footballers across the land said, Capital. Henry's head will be on display in the gift shop till Friday. 
So looking ahead to the weekend's game against Everton, the only bit of team news or the only player coming back is Kieran Gibbs, which is good news. I'm not sure he'll go back into the team, though, because he seems to have this circular thing going on whereby he gets injured, comes back into the team, gets injured, comes back, gets injured. Uh, And it just seems to happen always in the game that he comes back. So I wonder if the manager will put him in this weekend. As well as that, uh, it just keeps uh, Gail Clichy on his toes a bit, having him back. And no sign of Abu Dhabi, although there is more uh, positive news uh, than I was given earlier in the week where they were very, very worried about Diaby and the ankle problem that he had uh, because they weren't really sure how to fix it, uh, which is no good thing. And Thomas Vermaelen's in a similar kind of a boat. His Achilles injury flared up again, uh, which is bad news for us. I think we need him back. What's interesting, though, I thought on Wednesday night was the performance of Juru. Who, uh, who really probably put in his best performance uh, of the season so far. And when you consider all the time that he spent out injured last season, it does take you a while uh, to get up to speed. And uh, hopefully he can continue uh, to progress in the absence of Koscielny, whose uh, red card last weekend means he's out of uh, this game this weekend. Uh, some changes, I would imagine Nasri will come back in. Um, I'm not sure who else. Maybe Bentner, I don't know. He's, he can hardly drop Shamak, can he, after two goals? Don't think so. So maybe Nasri might be the only one to come back into that team, to be honest. Uh, But we'll have to wait and see what he does. It's going to be a tough game. Everton away is always tough. I know we've won there and won there quite well in recent years. There was a 6-1 and there was a 4-1, I remember. Was there a 4-1 and I think Bentner got sent off and Eduardo scored a couple of goals. Uh, But if we go into the game the same way we went into the game last Sunday, Everton will take advantage. They're a good, good side, and we've got to be really on our toes. We've got no margin for error anymore. We really don't. I know we keep saying this, but there is no margin for error. Uh, So fingers crossed we can go there and do the business. And beyond that, not a great deal else to talk about. So uh, make sure you get your entries in for the competition, competition at arsblog.com. I'll catch you all weekend on the blog, all next week on the blog, and of course, on next week's Arscast. So until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. After Middlesbrough, he went to Leeds, but injury meant his career was soon over, and he only made four appearances. Malcolm found the money running out, and soon he had to live on the streets. He would shelter at night under bridges and overpasses to stay out of the rain. It was a soul-destroying time. It was very difficult because I had to dance for passers-by. For money, you know, they'd give me money and I'd dance for them. And I was taking, you know, things I shouldn't have been taking. It's very difficult to talk about now. But, you know, all the usual things that everyone does. And you fall into the habit very quickly. And it's so hard to get out. Malcolm was given a place at the Tony Adams Sporting Chance Clinic... Initially, the signs were good, but the addiction took hold again, and one night he absconded. 
Well, you know, we'd gone in to give him his breakfast one morning and uh, he just wasn't there. You know, we deal with addiction and addicts all the time, but I don't think I've ever seen anyone with such a dependency as Malcolm Christie. It was, uh, yeah, very sad. Uh, I did write a poem about it, but I don't suppose you want to hear that. No, I didn't think so. I just accept that this is my life now, and uh, that's what I do. I live day to day, and, you know, I look back on my time as a footballer, and I do regret certain things, but life deals with your cards, and you've got to play them. The story of Malcolm Christie is a salutary tale for young footballers. His addiction to Yahtzee destroyed everything. He travels miles every day looking for a game. They're becoming fewer and farther between, leading him further into the spiral of misery and despair. This has been a Jamie Redknapp production for Talkshark Radio. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.